What's up, everybody? Welcome to the third episode of the Junkyard Podcast. I am your host, James Beatley, a.k.a. Junkyard James, a.k.a. Junkyard Jimmy. I don't care what you call me. As long as you're tuning in, you can call me whatever the fuck you want. Hey, I'm on my way home, driving home from my day job, and I just... I thought this would be the perfect time for me to talk about some things going on in the first round of the NFL playoffs. Um, me being a Buffalo Bills fan, I was holding on to the edge of my couch watching that game. Um, I'm recording this on a Monday, so watching that game last yesterday afternoon was a bit of a, uh, a butt clincher. Um, but at the end of the day, Buffalo got the win. And so I want to, I want to kind of give a little bit of a, a letter to Bill's mafia, um, kind of an expose, a pipe bomb, just a promo telling like Bill's mafia, everything's going to be okay. I see a lot of overreactions that are going on. Uh, Monday morning quarterbacks talking about what went wrong and how we're not going to to be okay after the performance we put on and and how close the game was yesterday. I also want to talk about um, a big announcement. This will be the first thing I talk about, but a big announcement that's going on in the future of the Junkyard podcast moving forward, as well as talking about um, probably, in my opinion, the, um, the most interesting story of, on the episode today, I'm going to talk about, I'm going to give you guys five, five, um, superstars in 2023 that I expect to see a lot of good things coming from them in, in the professional wrestling world. So, but let's just get started talking about this big announcement that I'm talking about. So if you listen to my last episode, which it's been a few weeks since I posted, um, that I'm trying to figure out the kinks and get, get a, get a, a good schedule set to be able to record and post episodes on a, on a pretty consistent basis. Um, but um, if you listen to my last episode, I, I made the decision that I wanted to use this podcast not exclusively for wrestling, but to talk about other other sports, majority like college football or professional football. Um, and that was the plan to use this podcast up until I got this opportunity that has come across my um, attention that here in the near future, I'm going to start doing. So what I'm going to say is, this podcast now, after this episode, is going to be exclusively pro wrestling, um, and a, a thing of, a pro wrestling is probably my biggest passion, the thing that I really like talking about and, and getting interested in, um, and so that's going to be like the number one thing for me to talk about, uh, but... I still want. I still love to talk about football. I still love to talk about sports, which is why I'm proud to introduce that after the Super Bowl, the first Thursday after the Super Bowl, 
me, my brother, which is the host of the Slapping Meat Wrestling Podcast, and a couple of our good friends have are, are organizing and putting together a, a podcast called Calling Audibles, which in its original uh, creation um, will be all about college football, pro football, football as a sport, and we're just going to give give our hot takes and opinions on certain topics. We choose we're choosing to start after the Super Bowl instead of going full in on the playoffs because um, we feel like there's there's a lot of content that that we can cover starting after the Super Bowl and into the off season and the draft and free agency leading into next season and it and it's. It's going to be weird uh, to give our opinion based on the Super Bowl when, uh, and the playoffs when 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 we're kind of midway towards the end of the season. So let's start with the new the new NFL year after the Super Bowl, and we'll and we'll we'll go year to year that way. Um, that's kind of our reasoning for starting after the Super Bowl. Um, so please tune in, pay be on the lookout for for those. Um, that that show to show up wherever um, podcasts will be posted here after the Super Bowl. Um, we'll we'll be kicking that show off, calling Audible's podcast. Um, it's going to be a good time. So with that being said, this podcast is going to be wrestling exclusive, starting episode four, and and my goal starting from episode four on forward is to put together a series. To start the show off and start to build the momentum and the movement of of uh, the junkyard, and and then once I build the movement to move forward from there. Um, the idea for me now is still in um, still in the beginning stages of like what I want to do with this podcast, and I may do like what I'm doing with my wrestling content on this episode and giving you guys a, a list format of things that I expect to see in the future, or, or I may go into a different direction. I don't a hundred percent have it a hundred percent in the works, but that's the fun about podcasts. Uh, but I mean, before we start to kind of dive into the mate, the meat content, what do y'all want me to talk about now? Now that you know that this is going to be wrestling exclusive, what do you want me to talk about? What, what what kind of things? What kind of um, do you want me to give my opinions on Dynamite? Because I'm more of an AEW guy than a WWE guy. Do you want me to do prediction shows for pay-per-views? Um, uh, do you want me to have uh, special guests on? Like, what do you want exactly out of the junkyard? Um, because I'm a, I'm all open ears. I'm all open arms fully willing and able to listen to an audience and tell me what what people want to hear because there to be honest there's a lot of wrestling podcasts out there that you can listen to i want to provide the utmost maximum amount of value for the listeners so that you can get something out of taking time out of your day to listen to me ramble on so tell me below what y'all want to listen to um on this podcast starting next episode. But with that being said, let's let's get into the meat. Let's talk about the Buffalo Bills versus Miami Dolphins. 
I've seen a lot of Bills fans that are freaking out right now. So, I never go in to a playoff game expecting to blow somebody out. I never do, because the, it's the playoffs. It, it's the, These are the best of the best teams. I don't care if, if you're Tampa Bay and you're below 500, you're a division winner, you're going to play games close. The, play, the way that coaches coach in the regular season compared to how they coach in the playoffs for every sport it's it's always two different ways it's two different seasons almost and in the, the regular season like if for baseball for example you're pulling a pitcher after six innings because um you don't want to you don't want to get them injured and in the playoffs you're pitching them as long as they can pitch if they're pitching well so and, and the same thing with football um you might call plays differently in the regular season compared to the to the postseason. And so I never came in here expecting the hype of the 13.5-point favorites the Bills were to actually come to, to resonate. You know, it was an ugly win. But I want to calm down some fears of the Bills fans who, and even some of the Bills haters who are like, they're potential frauds. They're going to get exposed by the Bengals. They're going to lose by 14 points to the Bengals. Let me, let, let's just talk about like what actually happened in that game. Instead of looking just at box score and final score on the, on the scoreboard, let's look at some stats. The Bills dominated the ball. They dominated time of possession. The only problem was there were mistakes made by Josh Allen, made by the receivers, made by the defense. In some cases, we made some mistakes. The offensive line wasn't great. They were decent. Um, but there were mistakes made. And if, if the outcome of those mistakes were different, the game would have totally been a different outcome. So let's, let's, let's just be honest. The, the Dolphins... If I remember correctly, they got 18 points scored off of turnovers. 18 points scored off of turnovers. They only scored 31 points. So that gives them 13 points scored outside of a turnover happening. If those turnovers don't happen and we didn't give them a short field, we win that game 34-13. to so let's not act like we had a terrible performance. Josh Allen put up 300-plus yards in another playoff game. Yes, he threw the two interceptions, but he threw three touchdowns. He had a 93 quarterback rating. He had a really good game. Stephon Diggs and Gabriel Davis both put up over 100 yards receiving. But we're going to look at this negative of Josh fumbled, a touchdown, and he threw two picks, but ended up in points. We didn't look awful. The defense did its job, given the fact that a lot of the time there were mistakes, there were turnovers, and and they had short fields to have to play. So I'm, I'm not putting this on the defense. I want to calm the fears, fears of Bills Mafia, who uh, especially the portion of Bills Mafia that thinks that the fact the reason. The, uh, the fact that we only won by three means that we're not a competitive team. Like, let's halt the breaks. We, we had a f- kind of a mediocre game, and yet we still won. That, that encourages me. Because let's, let's look at last year. Let's look at the year before. 
if, if this was last year or the year before and we had three turnovers and and the game was close heading into the end of the game, we lose. We lose. What encourages me is that we have the ability now as an offense and as a defense to say even when we have a mediocre day, we're still able to put up 34 points and we're still able to win even when maybe we should have won by more. But we're still capable of winning games. We're still capable of coming in. Remember at the beginning of the season, they were making fun of the Bills because they couldn't win games that were decided by less than a single score. Like the, the, the running joke was the Bills were either going to blow you out or they were going to lose. And yet this year I've seen every, every couple games now that we have a game that comes down to the wire and we're, we have the confidence and we have the um, belief that we can win these close games that are decided by less than one score. That's going to carry us big time in the playoffs where these games are always close. Let's just be honest. This wasn't a surprise to me that the game was as close as it was. Now, the score was totally, we scored more points than I thought we were going to score, and we allowed more points than I thought the Dolphins were going to score. But the game was, I never expected the game to be a three-score game. Or, or what were the analysts of the media calling it? A tune-up game or whatever. I never expected it to go that way. Because there were two things that told me that it wasn't going to go that way. It's the playoffs, and it's a divisional game. The third time we meet, guys, you never see divisional games, especially in the playoffs, end up in blowouts. Because the divisional teams, this is the third time you play them. So they know your strengths. They know your weaknesses. They know who you're trying to get the ball to. If anything was a... A major concern to me it was the fact that we kind of reverted back to the tendencies that we went to a couple years ago, which was when when we got up big, we took the we took the uh, foot off the the pedal and we we let off the gas and we let him back in the game. That concerns me. From an offensive standpoint, we just kind of got complacent. We kind of just was were running basic schemes that the defense knew we were going to run. Like we ran the same play on back-to-back plays, I guess expecting a different result the second time. They ran a streak route with Gabe Davis and had Josh Allen um, just put a little bit more air under the ball. It's a touchdown, Gabe Davis, but he put a little bit too much oomph on it. And it sailed over his head. And Ken Dorsey, or whoever was calling plays, I'm assuming it's Ken Dorsey, had the wherewithal, had the the gall to say, hey, let's run the same play again. And they noticed it right away. And they double teamed Gabe Davis. And it didn't, it didn't, it didn't, he didn't catch it. It was a good ball that was, that the defense made a great play on. It was like Ken Dorsey was like, let's just run, let's just run Hail Mary's. Let's just run basic patterns because we're up 17-0. Let's not come out and just stomp their ass and go up 31 and then just continue to play our, our style of game. The, the problem is the second half of the season, we had one of the best running attacks in, in all of the sport, and Devin Singletary only gets 
10 carries. James Cook gets 12 carries. That's not enough times for the, them both to run the ball. 22 carries total is not enough. Josh Allen threw the ball 39 times. I'm sorry, I would rather run the ball 30 and Josh throw it 30 than Josh throw it 40 and we run it 20. We, we, need to, we need to even up the rushing game. We have the best running attack in the AFC, in my opinion. Josh is a threat. Devin Singletary, he averaged 4.8 yards a carry yesterday. James Cook averaged about 3.5 yards a carry yesterday. That's good production. And you don't have to put the, the, um, the ball in Josh's hand to throw 50 times a game. That doesn't lead to success in the playoffs. I'm sorry, it doesn't. So Ken Dorsey, whoever's running the offense of play, Colin, we need to do. We need to. We need to put more rushing emphasis in the rushing game coming forward here, especially with Cincinnati, where their defense is stout. They're going to bring a good blitz. You saw how they attacked Tyler Huntley. They're going to do the same thing to us. Um. We need to have a good rushing attack and back off those blitzes so that we can open up the field. Because Josh can throw it 60 yards and, and on a dime, on a line, throw nice dots. But we need a solid running attack if we want to go further into the playoffs. The second thing I want to say about the offense, it's just so predictable at certain points. They know when we're throwing it to Diggs or when we're throwing it to Gabe or when Cole Beasley's getting the ball. Putting the ball on the ground and places where they maybe don't think that we're going to put the ball on the ground can make our offense unpredictable. Um, but I, I'm not I'm not going to be the Bills fan that's like, woe, woe is me because we gave up 31 points, 18 via turnover, to a Miami Dolphins team that was good enough to make the playoffs when Tua hasn't played the last couple weeks. The Dolphins are a good team. Don't get me don't don't get me started on that. The Dolphins are a good team. But let's not come in here thinking that just because we won the division by 5 games doesn't mean that the Dolphins aren't a good team. The Dolphins are a good team. They get a quarterback that can stay healthy with the weapons that they have on the outside with Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill and the two- or three-headed monster they have in the backfield, and Mike Kosecki, which I think is an underrated tight end. The Miami Dolphins are going to be a team that contends for our division title for a long time to come. So let's not come out here and think that the Dolphins are a bad team. They're a really good team, and they put a really good effort together, and it's the playoffs. Let's not act like it's the end of the world because we only won by three. Are there things we need to fix? Absolutely, there are. I wasn't satisfied with that with that win. I believe we could have beat them by twenty points. We have the best roster on paper, I think, of any team in this in the playoffs. But there's going to be situations where we have to do to be smarter in terms of play calling and in execution of plays. Josh Allen. He may have overthrown John Brown. I don't know if he stopped the route or if he just couldn't catch up to it. Cole Beasley has to catch that ball that ends in an interception. And then there's that fumble that the offensive line, it looked like, just missed their block. 
and um, Bradley Chubb, I believe it was, just forced the fumble. Um, I think Deion Dawkins missed a block. It happens. These things happen. We gotta. We were able to have the wherewithal and the resolve to calm down. Let's not get things over our head and 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 win the game. I, I don't. In the playoffs, it doesn't matter about how much you win by. All that matters is if you win. They don't judge your Super Bowl success. They don't give you a bigger ring or a smaller ring depending on points for and points against. You get the same Super Bowl trophy if you win by one every game or if you win by 100 every game. So let's just go out there and win. The, the end of the world's not here. I know Bills fans aren't really adequately capable to understand what happens in the playoffs for the most part. Like, the second that something bad may start to happen, they start to um, feel like the world's going to end because they're just so used to destruction. They're so used to chaos. And I understand that as a Bills fan. But the, the world's not over. We still have a really good team. We just need to focus, minimize the mistakes, go out there against Cincinnati on Sunday and get another win. I don't care if we win by one, or if we win by 15, or if we win by 65. We just got to beat the Bengals. And I think we can beat the Bengals. So let's move on. Let's get, o- let's get over the mistakes. Mistakes happen. These are the best teams in the world playing for a, a right to go to the, the Super Bowl. This isn't like we're playing the Houston Texans. Mistakes are going to happen. How we re... How we react to our mistakes is going to determine the long-term success for this team and if we make it to the AFC title game and the Super Bowl this season. That's all I got to say. These playoff games so far in week one, Super Wild Card Weekend, have been fantastic. The Seahawks were competitive until the end of the game there. That Jaguars comeback was fantastic. The forty, uh, the um, Bills game was good. The the um, Vikings game was entertaining. I knew the Giants were going to get that upset, and that Ravens Bengals game, whoo, that was a, such a good game at the end of there, and it could have been won by either side. It's not the end of the world that we struggled against the playoff team. We won. That's all that matters at that point. Let's go to next week. We play Cincinnati at home. All we got to focus on is winning that game. We win that game, we go to Atlanta and play the AFC title game. We win that game and we're in the Super Bowl. And that's the goal is to win the Super Bowl. We're going to have these struggles. This team has been able to overcome adversity. And I, I don't doubt that they're going to be able to overcome any even more adversity if it brings it that way. Let's, let's just... Have faith in the team and trust the process. Bills Mafia, you're the best fan base in the world, but sometimes it can be a little melodramatic. Let's just, let's just, facts are facts, y'all. We had a really good game, and just two or three mistakes might overshadow that good game. We're going to be all right. Let's move on to next week. With that being said, let's end off with some uh, pro wrestling 
talk. Um, I want to go through five five uh, wrestlers, both male and female. I'm going to combine the list. Five wrestlers that I want to see big things from in 2023. We'll start with number five. We saw him make his re-debut, his return to AEW television this past Wednesday on Dynamite. Told us a little bit of a story. It's Adam Cole, baby. I want a world title run for Adam Cole. I think he can be the babyface that can beat MJF. I really do. I know Danielson's going to get his Iron Man match. And I, I, I think that MJF is probably going to win. It'd be kind of stupid to give MJF a, a two or three month title reign. I think MJF is going to win. But I think Adam Cole can be the guy at double or nothing. Or or maybe not at double or nothing. But he, he gets a title opportunity at double or nothing. So that at all out he can fight MJF. Adam Cole has a renewed purpose, a renewed understanding, a renewed love for life and pro wrestling. And I want that passion to exude. I I don't want Adam Cole in in any trio. I don't want Adam Cole in any faction. I want a singles run with Adam Cole where he proves that he is one of the best in the world like he has been for the last 15 years. I expect a big push for Adam Cole. That promo he gave on Wednesday was absolutely spectacular, um, moving, um, emotional, just raw, passionate. I loved it, and I expect big things from Adam Cole in 2023, because it's the year of Adam Cole, baby. Number four, I expect pretty decent things from a wrestler that I think is going to shock the world upon their return to the company, and their name is Chris Statlander. I think Statlander is going to have a big push. And I really fucking hope that they don't put her back into the best friends. In fact, I honestly could go with the best friends kind of splitting up. I think Orange Cassidy is more than capable of being a singles competitor. I think Trent and... um, Goodness, what's the other guy's name? I think I think they are good as a tag team. Um, uh, Trent Chucky T. Um, I think they're good as a tag team. I know Dan Houser is just a comedy gimmick. You can do whatever you want with him. Um, but I don't want Chris Statlander part of that faction anymore. I think she needs a singles run. There's 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 three women. I'm going to talk about all three in this segment. There's three women that I think that can legitimately be pushed to be the first person to beat Jade Cargill. And and that would be for a TNT title shot. 
I'll talk about all three of them because I think they all three could have a legitimate push for this position in 2023. And one of them is Chris Statlander. I, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Jade Cargill is too big for the TBS title. She needs to drop it. And the only way that that happens is if she loses. And so she's going to have to lose at some point unless she just turns the title away. Um, but Jade Cargill has been built so big. And this is what I, what I say about like Wardlow and Jade Cargill is unless you're giving them a world title push, some of these smaller titles are too big for the characters that they are. Because you, you you put them in these mid-card or secondary title pictures and it just ruins the push for some of these women or some of these men that are growing through the company. You need to be able to have a person that can lose and still put somebody over and still get themselves over even in a loss. And Jade is built so that the first time she loses, she's going to lose a lot of the... Um, a lot of the power behind her presence is right now who's going to be the first person to beat Jade Cargill it's almost like the Undertaker at Wrestlemania who's going to be the first person to beat that Undertaker's undefeated streak you know that's that's going to be that was a big picture but Undertaker never had a title he, he didn't fight Brock Lesnar for the title and Brock won the title when he beat the streak that's the danger of putting the title on Jade Cargill. Um, but there are women in AEW that are built to to legitimately... Um, they, they can be built to legitimately be able to beat Jade and make it look like it's a legit thing. Um, and the first is Chris Statlander. The, and she just has this build from the very beginning that I love. I love Chris Statlander. She is big and and built strong. And if she can stay healthy, I want to see a big run from her in 2023. 2023, I also want to see a big run. Out of a returning lady who can, I think, can also legitimately be booked to beat Jade Cargill. And her name is Layla Hirsch. She was having a pretty big heel heel run until she got hurt in the uh, middle part of 2022. Um, I think if she can work on getting back into ring shape and maybe freshening up on some promo work, you can, you can turn her baby face again and have her beat the ever-living shit out of Jade Cargill, and it actually looked legitimately like Jade is having a fight for her life. Um, Layla Hirsch is probably one of my favorite wrestlers in, in AEW in the women's division. And I know a lot of people don't really care for, for her, but she's just built like a female wrestler. Like, if you envision, like, like a female wrestler, like outside of the Attitude Era, you think of Layla Hirsch, you know, built stocky. She kind of looks like a UFC fighter 
or that she could be a UFC fighter and, and legit fight. Um, she has that kind of physique that is like, you don't want to fuck with her. Like she's short, but like stocky. And it looks like she can knock out a, a heavyweight in the men's division. I love Layla Hirsch. Um, she's not the best in ring. And that's what I'm saying. Like if she can get back into shape, she can get her promo work down. She can, she can build her repertoire and wrestling. I think it'll be a good thing for, for her. I think she can have a big push. I think Tony Khan was planning big things with her and Chris and Red Velvet. And then Chris Statlander and Layla Hirsch both went down with injuries and they're, they're kind of throwing Red Velvet for a loop. And I don't know where Red Velvet goes here in the future. But I, I, I want to see big things from both Chris Statlander and Layla Hirsch. Let's go to number two. Let's go out of AEW for this one. Let's go into um, WWE for a change. And let's talk about Seth Rollins. Because he's probably, in my opinion, the face of this company. But he hasn't won a title in several years. And he's just put on some of the best gimmicks out of in the last couple of years. I want to see a title push. Like, not a U.S. title or an intercontinental title or a tag title. I want to see a world title push for Seth Rollins. Because he deserves it. He is one of the most interesting, most entertaining wrestlers in all of the sport. And any company, not just WWE... But in all of pro wrestling, Seth Rollins is one of my favorites. He can play the, the baby face, woe is me type character. He can play the authority heel, the bad guy who t- abuses his authority. He can play the the annoying heel that gets cheap heat with the fans. Seth Rollins is just built to be able to perform and do whatever gimmick he needs to do to get himself over and he's one of the best in the in the business for it. But he hasn't got a title in quite a while. And and I really I really want to see Seth Rollins win a championship here in the near future. Um and the lastly the the number one person on I said there were three women in AEW that I thought were built to beat Jade Cargill. I talked about Chris Statlander. I talked about Layla Hirsch. But the one that I think is built almost exactly to be what you needed to be the TBS champion is Marina Shafir. She is a legit UFC fighter. She She's just impressed me a lot over the last year or so with what she's been able to do in AEW. I kind of have a soft spot for her because I am a Roderick Strong fan and she's in a relationship with Roddy. Um, but she's, she's done really well to get herself over and, and perform well in the ring. Um, she, she came into WWE with, um, Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler and, and some of those other ladies and she, ladies, and she was, um, part of the, the cuts in, I think 2020 or 2021 that WWE did. Um, and... She's just really surprised me um, with how she's been able to improve drastically over the last year in the ring. Her 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 gimmick, her her ability to wrestle. Um, I haven't really heard a promo from her, 
but I think I think she'll be able to do kind of good with promos. I like Marina Shafir. She's not in the world title picture scene, in my opinion, at this point. She still kind of has some growing in the business. But what not? What is a good way to get yourself over to be the lady that puts the the one and forty whatever and one or fifty whatever and one? For Jade Cargill and hand her her first loss and have it be a title shot. I mean, Jade Cargill has fought almost everybody in the company and beat them. I don't think she's fought Marina Shafir in quite a while. Um, but would that not be a good person to have to win the the TBS title? Um, but yeah. Uh, that's about all I wanted to talk about today, guys. Um, let me know what y'all think about my message to the Bills. Do you think Bills fans are overreacting? Am I am I not act reacting correctly? Am I kind of like over under under underplaying the the struggles that we had? Like I'm not going to say that the Bills didn't struggle. We we made a lot of mistakes, but I'm not the, I'm not going to say woe is me. The the end of the world is coming. The sky is falling. Because that's just not the truth. We had a, we played a really good game. We made a couple mistakes. But at the end of the day, we won. And that's all that matters in the playoffs. Um, what do you think about my list of, of wrestlers that I think will have a big 2023? I want you all to let me know down in the comments. And uh, I will hear, uh, talk to you all on the next episode.